I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff: shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at fifty to eighty percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. I never thought I was going to see him again. Nature's deadliest organisms. This infection causes brain damage. They can hijack our bodies. I wanted to feel the pain rather than him feeling it. Disable our immune systems. I got pretty scared at that point. And eat us from within. It it doesn't make any sense. For those infected, they are the monsters inside me. Nicole and David Kozowski live in Libertyville, Illinois. We were high school sweethearts. He was a captain of the football team. I was a captain of the cheerleading team. And it was love at first sight. We wanted the same things in life. We wanted to have kids. That was the number one thing. And two months after we graduated college, we were married. Within the first year, I was pregnant with my first child. We had just moved into a new house. We had a puppy, and we were ready to welcome our baby. Everything was perfect. We were ready. But Nicole's and David's storybook life is about to become a living nightmare. Five weeks before the baby is due, Nicole wakes up in the middle of the night. I heard the puppy barking, so I woke up to check on the dog. And my water broke. I was immediately scared because I knew it was too early. I went to wake up David. I was surprised about it, being that it was five weeks early. I said to her, okay, let's go. David rushes Nicole to the hospital. And 12 hours later, she gives birth to a baby boy. He was a perfect pink little jelly bean. The first time I held him, I just looked at him and cried. I named my new son Jack. I didn't really know what loving was until I became a father. He was perfect to me. But Nicole notices something slightly imperfect. Something was wrong with his eyes. They were closed very tightly. David, however, isn't worried. I reassured her that it was normal. And the doctor assured me that he will eventually open his eyes. 
It just takes a little bit longer. Since Jack was five weeks premature. Nicole and David bring Jack home. And one month later, Jack seems to hit an important milestone. Jack was in an infant rocking seat, and I noticed his eyes starting to open. But he would not look directly at me. His eyes were looking into nothingness. I thought it was strange. There was the motherly instinct in me that knew something was not right with his eyes. Nicole calls David at work to share her concerns. I know that my wife can get anxious about things. I didn't want to let the fear get to my wife. I reassured her that it probably wasn't yet something that we needed to be concerned about. But Nicole isn't so sure and takes Jack to the pediatrician. I expressed my concern to the doctor. The doctor checked his eyes, temperature, heart rate, but he said he was okay, he's a preemie, and it would take him longer to reach his milestones. I was relieved, but I still had that motherly instinct that there was something there that we weren't able to see. Over the next two months, Jack hits some important milestones. He responds to his parents' voices, lifts his head on his own, and smiles. But as the year draws to a close, both David and Nicole come to the realization that there is one thing that Jack cannot do. It was New Year's, and we were both on the floor with Jack. We waved toys around in front of him. When I moved the toy from side to side, he was not able to follow the toy with his eyes. That's when we looked at each other and knew, right then, there's something wrong. He was looking at nothing. Oh my gosh, he's blind. I was scared to death, and I knew my gut was right. He needed to be seen by a physician right away. So Nicole and David rushed Jack to a pediatric specialist. The doctor immediately measured his head size. She was very concerned that Jack's head size was significantly larger in proportion to the rest of his body. The doctor wanted us to leave immediately and go to the hospital. There, doctors perform an MRI on Jack's brain. And one hour later, the results come in. The doctor told us that Jack had excess water in the brain. Also known as hydrocephalus, this condition typically affects infants and occurs when excess cerebrospinal fluid floods the brain, causing it to swell, forcing it against the inside of the skull. Hydrocephalus can cause developmental delays, brain damage, and even death. All along, I had thought there was a vision problem, but there's now something wrong with his brain. I was scared to death. The doctor told us that in order to relieve the pressure, he would have to receive brain surgery immediately. It was a risky surgery, and there was a chance that he wouldn't make it. I walked Jack down the hallway. I didn't want to let him go until the last minute. And they took him to the doors. And I never thought I was going to see him again. In the OR, doctors drill a hole through Jack's skull to drain the excess fluid from his brain. I sat in the waiting room and I held his blanket. All I could think about was that he wouldn't make it. But it felt like an eternity. 
After two hours, the doctors complete the surgery. And David and Nicole visit Jack in the ICU. He was in the hospital bed, hooked up to all sorts of monitors and wires. And I just remember hearing his little whimper of pain. I can still hear that scream. I mean, that was really hard. I wanted to feel the pain rather than him feeling it. The doctor told us that the surgery was a success, but they needed to make sure they stopped whatever was causing that excess water in the brain, or Jack would eventually die. Doctors run a CAT scan. Looking over the results is Dr. Marilyn Metz of Lurie Children's Hospital in Chicago. When I first examined Jack's CT scan, I noted that there were calcifications in Jack's brain. Brain calcifications are abnormal deposits of calcium that can cause muscle spasms, memory loss, and dementia. Most cases involve adults over the age of 30 and develop because of genetically inherited conditions. But Jack's case is different. Brain calcifications in a young baby suggest that he was exposed to an infection before birth. That means that this could be an infection that he got from his mother. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. Music. 
Four-month-old Jack Kozowski is suffering from a deadly neurological condition called hydrocephalus that is making his brain swell. Now, doctors suspect Jack may have contracted the condition from his mother. So I decided to order a blood test on both Nicole and Jack to make sure that we weren't missing anything. I was surprised and shocked that they wanted to test my blood when Jack was the one that was sick. Two days later, the results come back. Nicole's blood work showed that she was infected by the parasite Toxoplasma gondii. Toxoplasma gondii is a parasite that affects the central nervous system. I was devastated. Inside Nicole's body, the Toxoplasma parasites traveled through her umbilical cord and into Jack's developing body. The parasites were able to infect his brain and eyes, where they reproduced and destroyed the surrounding cells, leading to his blindness and hydrocephalus. I felt like I should have somehow prevented this from happening, to prevent the pain. According to the CDC, more than 60 million people in the U.S. may be infected with a Toxoplasma gondii parasite. But most of those infected don't suffer serious symptoms because the immune system is able to keep the parasite in check. However, when a pregnant woman becomes infected with a Toxoplasma gondii parasite, the unborn fetus with its still-developing immune system is at particular risk of contracting the infection. The parasite was continuing in its attack on Jack. This parasite is a killer. I wanted to kill the parasite myself because, you know, it's attacking at that very moment, even. Jack was my everything. He made me who I was. Without him, I wouldn't have been a mother. To kill the organisms, Dr. Metz puts Jack on a course of powerful antiparasitic drugs. I was afraid my baby was going to be deaf, dumb, and blind. For 10 days, Nicole and David hope and pray that the drugs will take effect. But then they notice a small breakthrough. The medication had kicked in. He was finally able to laugh with us, smile at us. It was incredible. Something in that little body has told him, all right, let's keep going. And he did. He's the one that didn't give up. Doctors send Jack home to continue his recovery. And 10 days later, on February 14th, Nicole and David receive an unexpected Valentine's Day present. I had Jack in my lap, and I had a silver spoon in front of me. And he looked down at the spoon and took his little hand and picked it up. He saw it. I was so excited that finally, finally, he was able to see something. I was happy that he could grab the spoon. There's motor skills and vision in one swoop, so that was really big. Today, Jack Kozowski is a thriving 14-year-old and even receives straight A's in school. But the parasites have made a lasting impression. I do have less vision than most people do, but I get used to it, and I just live on with my life. Jack is legally blind. He has very 
limited vision with some scarring from the parasite. So how did Nicole initially contract and pass on the toxoplasmosis infection? The Toxoplasma gondii parasite most commonly cycles between rodents and cats. Humans often get infected with the Toxoplasma parasite through contact with contaminated cat feces. But eating undercooked meat, especially pork, venison, or lamb, can also lead to infections. And Nicole remembers a particular moment when she may have been infected. At the end of my first trimester of pregnancy, David and I went out to dinner and I ordered lamb, rare. And I never imagined that eating something could cause such awful consequences. I felt like it was all my fault. I don't think she did anything out of the ordinary that brought this on. I don't blame her a single bit. But the toxoplasma parasite still poses a risk. Jack will always have this parasite living inside him. If the parasite reactivates in Jack's brain, we're not sure of how much damage it can cause. But none of this stops Jack from having a good life. I try to make every day as fun as I can make it. I go down with my dad to Wrigley Field, and, you know, we just have a blast and just, you know, watch a baseball game. Knowing that there's no cure for the parasite is a difficult thing, but he's got a good attitude about it. It helped me deal with him having it. Jack is the bravest person I know because he wakes up every morning knowing that things could be different. He's the best. To minimize the risk of contracting toxoplasmosis, the CDC recommends that cooked meat should always be heated to at least 63 degrees Celsius or 145 degrees Fahrenheit, and then left to rest for three minutes before carving or consuming. And because the toxoplasma parasite also infects cats, pregnant women in particular should avoid exposure to cat litter. A mysterious organism possesses an 11-year-old boy. It's horrifying. I was just absolutely hysterical. 35-year-old Catherine Kinsey lives in Tampa, Florida. As a single mom, she devotes almost all of her time and energy to raising her four kids. My life is really busy. It's pretty kid-central around here. She has two girls and two boys. My kids have very different personalities. Haley is very outgoing. Sophie is into being a little princess. Wyatt's into riding bikes, and James likes to play with his bow and arrow. Though he and Catherine are no longer married, the children's father, James Hatfield, still plays a big role in the family. We try to keep kids busy. We have slight differences, but Catherine's a very good mom. We're very flexible with each other. It's kind of one large family. But something happens that threatens to tear this family apart completely. It's early March. The kids are in school, and Catherine is out running errands. But I was on my way to go shopping, and I heard my text alert. And it was James. He said he had a headache. I was a little worried for him to text me like that because he's not a complainer. So I made a U-turn, and I went to pick him up. Catherine pulls James out of school and takes him home. 
Instead of going to the playroom like he normally does, he just laid on the couch. He looked a little pale, like he might be coming down with something. I put a little blanket on him. About 10 minutes later, I came back to check on him, and I could tell by the smell in the room that he had thrown up. The smell was pretty bad. He was just really not himself. I got him a little rag to wash his face off. I was pretty nervous at this point because he's had this headache and now he was vomiting. I thought it was a stomach flu. So I gave him some Tylenol and decided to wait and see if that would help at all. The meds seem to help and James falls asleep. But a short while later, Catherine observes something startling. I went to check on James and he was holding his head and moaning. It was the most horrible sound I've ever heard come out of his mouth. Something was not right. I was pretty certain that I should get him to the emergency room right away. But when they arrive at the ER, a new symptom suddenly strikes. James began to talk gibberish. 45, 16, James! That makes no sense. James! He put words together that didn't make any kind of sense at all. James! Catherine alerts the staff. Doctor! And a doctor rushes in. The doctor became concerned about his cognitive function. So the medical team decides to give him a CAT scan of his brain. I was in the room with James as they're preparing him for the CAT scan. All of a sudden, his legs drew back and his body arched. The guy ran out from behind the window and I said, he's having a seizure. And he said, yes, he is. Seizures occur when abnormal electrical activity in the brain triggers a marked change in behavior, such as involuntary muscle movements. They can be caused by a range of factors, including tumors, strokes, traumatic injuries, or epilepsy. All of a sudden, I hear a code blue to radiology. And before I knew it, I was pushed out of the room. I was just absolutely hysterical. I just fell apart. I thought that we were losing him. James's father arrives to a chaotic scene. Here was half the hospital running into the room he was in. I don't think anybody thinks they're going to lose their child, but there's a chance that you could. Doctors are able to complete the CAT scan, but the results reveal nothing significant. So doctors must rely on a more invasive test. They decided that they wanted to do a spinal tap, but they couldn't move at all when they were doing spinal tap. They had to give him sedatives, but it didn't work. With James still convulsing uncontrollably, the team resorts to physical force. I and three other nurses, we all had to hold him in place. He wore out four grown men trying to hold him still. For a staggering 45 minutes, the team tries to restrain the young boy. You could tell how excruciating it was. It's horrifying. At last, James passes out. And doctors are able to extract a sample of his spinal fluid, which they send to the lab for testing. But two hours later, after the sedatives should have worn off, 
Catherine is sitting at her son's bedside. I was trying to stroke his hair, trying to elicit some response because he would not wake up. The doctor yelled into James's ear really loud. James! And James did not budge. He had no movement, no response, no nothing. It was really scary. The doctor said that he's in a coma. And my heart was breaking. Catherine stays with James through the night. It was around 4 a.m., and I rubbed his hair. I talked to him. I told him, Mommy's here. I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. And finally, out of nowhere, he kind of woke up and said, Great. It actually made me smile because I realized to some degree, he's still there. The next day, with James partially conscious, the doctor performs another exam. The neurologist hooked him up to all these little wires to test his brain. It was an EEG to see how his brain waves would react to stimulus. But the results come as a shock. The test results showed that the right side of his brain was slower than the left side of his brain. He could have some sort of brain damage. They didn't know what it was. They didn't know what to treat. They didn't know what to do. James remains under close observation and seems to improve. Then, three days after his seizure, doctors deliver some unexpected news. They told me that he could go home, and I said, I really don't think he's ready to go home because we still had no diagnosis. In spite of her concerns, Catherine takes James home. But it's clear that all is not well. All of a sudden, he starts to throw up. His symptoms seem to have come right back. I gave him some ibuprofen, but nothing could help him. I was very worried. Then the phone rings. It was a lady from the Florida Department of Health letting me know that James's spinal fluid was sent to her lab and that his test results had come back. And the diagnosis is horrific. She told me most people that are afflicted with this illness die. Eastern equine encephalitis is a devastating infection caused by the triple E virus. There's a real possibility that I could lose my son. James is my firstborn son. It, it doesn't make any sense. Inside James's body, the triple E virus makes its way through the bloodstream and into the brain. There, the triple E virus invades individual brain cells, replicating inside them and destroying them in the process. This causes the brain to swell, leading to James's headaches altered mental state, and seizures. But there's even worse news. She said, there's no treatment for Eastern equine encephalitis. All you can do is just treat the symptoms and hope that the person pulls through. 
Eastern equine encephalitis is one of the most serious human infections that occurs in the United States. About one-third of those who develop the disease will die from it. Death from triple E can happen as early as two days after symptoms begin. And approximately 80% of those who survive suffer significant brain damage. Doctors can only treat James's symptoms with ibuprofen and anti-nausea medication and hope that his immune system can counter the infection. But as they try to nurse James back to health, his parents wonder how he contracted the triple E virus in the first place. The triple E virus typically cycles between birds and mosquitoes, but it can also infect and kill mammals, including horses, hence its name, equine encephalitis. Human infections, however, are rare. There is just an average of six reported cases a year in the U.S., mostly occurring in the state of Florida. With this information, Catherine thinks she knows how James got it. He went on a field trip with his sixth grade class. They had to wade through the Hillsborough River, which of course is where mosquitoes thrive. So that's where I believe that he picked up this illness. For three months, James remains in intensive home care under the supervision of both his parents. He was having headaches uh, quite often. It was very scary, constantly having that feeling that something could go wrong at any time. Then, one morning in June, Catherine notices a change. He comes to me and he says, can I go outside and shoot my bow and arrow? And I knew that he's taking a turn for the better. It's such a huge weight lifted off your shoulders just to see him that much better. After three more months of recovery, James returns to school. And today, the young James Hatfield is back in the swing of things. I feel good now because I'm not sick anymore. There's no fevers, headaches, or nausea that are caused by the Tripoli. I never want to see another hospital again. Though the Tripoli virus still lurks in his body and can recur, the family holds out hope. It's an uneasy feeling, and it's, I don't rest very well, because I'm always worried. But he holds a very special place in my heart for having come so far through something that maybe he shouldn't have survived. James is our walking miracle. There are a variety of equine encephalitis viruses that infect humans, including Western equine encephalitis and St. Louis encephalitis. But the triple E virus is one of the most potent. People over age 50 or younger than 15 are at greatest risk for developing the severe disease. The best way to prevent becoming infected is to use deep-based insect repellents in regions where mosquitoes are known to carry the disease. I was freaked out. It could be a fatal situation. It was a nightmare. Chris and Christine Latham live in Savannah, Missouri, where they operate a 200-acre farm. My family's had the farm since they came here from Switzerland in the early 1900s. We farm corn, soybeans, wheat, and we have a few head of cattle. The favorite thing I enjoy about the farming is being able to work the dirt and seeing the bounty that you reap at the end of the year. This family tradition of working hard 
is one their 18-year-old son, Wade, proudly shares. Makes me feel good to work with my hands and be outside and make me feel like I really did something at the end of the day. But Wade's love of the outdoors is about to lead him into a living nightmare. It's a month after his high school graduation, and Wade comes home from his summer job as a contractor when his mother notices something odd. I was in the kitchen fixing dinner, and Wade came in and laid down on the couch. I heard this cough, a dry, continual cough, deep cough. Kind of like a real sharp pain when I coughed a little bit. I tried to get comfortable and just couldn't do it. Wade was an occasional smoker. When I heard the cough, it concerned me. I brought him a glass of ice water and talked to him a little bit about maybe he shouldn't smoke. You know, I like to smoke. It made me mad when Mom told me to stop smoking. I wasn't really worried. I went to bed earlier than I normally would have to see maybe if that wouldn't help the situation. The next morning, Christine notices that something is amiss. Wade came in and he looked really tired, pale, dark circles, just kind of gaunt looking. I took his temperature and it was elevated. I was just really concerned, not knowing what was going on. My mom, she's the kind of lady to worry quite a bit. I acted like I was okay because I didn't want to worry anybody about it. But Wade's parents don't buy their son's routine. Yeah, I told Wade that, you know, since you have a fever now, we need to call the doctor. I try to avoid the doctors. I just told my parents I was feeling pretty good. Typical man. Despite his resistance, Wade agrees to go to the doctor's office. The doctor just listened to my lungs a little bit. The doctor said I probably had a mild case of pneumonia. Pneumonia is an infection of the lungs that causes them to fill with fluid. It's typically brought on by bacteria or viruses. Cigarette smokers are at a higher risk of contracting the disease. The doctor encouraged me to stop smoking, but I just kind of blew him off. Wade, just being 18 and invincible, thought, oh, it's not a problem. I got some antibiotics at the end of that appointment and just went home. After two weeks, Wade completes the course of antibiotics and continues his contracting work. But one day, while Wade is on the job, a new symptom strikes. We were filling a hole back in, and my chest started to get real tight on me. Felt like something had a strap around my chest and I couldn't take a breath. Started to get the panic feeling a little bit when you can't breathe. Really, the only way that I could feel better if I just sat and did nothing. So Wade calls his parents for advice. Wade had finished his antibiotics from the prior round, and so I was even more concerned. Why is he having trouble again? It's kind of scared us to the fact that maybe something else was going on. They immediately pick Wade up from work and take him to the hospital. Doctor said he needed a better look at my lungs, so he ordered a CAT scan. And the CAT scan brings troubling news. The doctor said that my lung collapsed. Lungs can collapse when the lining surrounding them fills with fluid, making it more difficult to breathe. When this happens, the vital organs can become starved of oxygen. 
In extreme instances, the condition is fatal. And I got real nervous at that point. It was an alarming issue then, especially not knowing why. The doctor takes drastic action. The doctor stuck a big needle through my ribs uh, to drain the fluid off my lung. The needle was about a foot long, it looked like. I hate needles. They drain over two cups of fluid from his left lung. I was pretty amazed that that much fluid could be inside one of my lungs. It was alarming. What is this fluid and where is it coming from? The doctor sends the mysterious fluid off for testing. And for 10 days, Wade remains in the hospital while the medical team continue to drain the excess fluids. And infectious disease specialist Dr. Scott Folk of Heartland Regional Medical Center takes up Wade's case. He soon develops a theory as to what's going on. His lack of response to antibiotic treatment indicated that perhaps he had something other than a bacterial infection that was causing his cough. I generally ask patients with pneumonia if they've ever traveled overseas, if they've been around any animals or birds. Every answer Wade gave him was a negative answer. It wasn't really what the doctor was wanting to hear. But Dr. Falk persists, and eventually his line of questioning hits the mark. I asked Wade whether he had eaten any poorly cooked or raw beef or pork or raw oysters. I just kept telling him no. But I told Wade, I said, well, you know, there's that one time on your float trip. You ate the raw crawfish. Oh, yeah. I totally forgot about it, but Dad was right. Float trips are a local tradition where people tube down rivers, go fishing, and camp for days on end. This was the first big float trip where me and my buddies just got to do our own thing. And when I was on my float trip, I ate some raw crawdads. I was very concerned about that. It led me in a totally different direction than what I had been expecting. And what it reveals is a matter of life or death. Dr. Folk's eyes got real big after I told him I ate a raw crawfish. Dr. Falk runs a specialized blood test, which leads to an alarming conclusion. Wade had an elevated number of eosinophils in his blood. Eosinophils are a type of white blood cells that are found in parasitic infections. Wade had a parasite known as Paragonimus calicati. More commonly known as the lung fluke, the Paragonimus calicati parasite is a flatworm that specifically targets the lungs. I was pretty grossed out. I kind of worried what the women were going to think about that. Most women don't really like guys with worms in their lungs. Inside Wade's stomach, the lung fluke larvae hatch. They enter the bloodstream and infiltrate Wade's lungs. For weeks, the flukes pair up together, feed on Wade's lung tissue, and reproduce, laying countless eggs. This triggers the body's immune system to flood his lungs with fluid, causing his pneumonia. As Wade coughs, the lung fluke eggs are jettisoned up in the mucus and swallowed. The parasite eggs enter the environment through human feces, where they hatch in fresh water and develop on crabs and crayfish. But the gross factor is the least of Wade's concerns. The infection can lead to infection in the brain, a very dangerous situation, and perhaps even be fatal. 
I got pretty scared at that point. That was a nightmare. The lung fluke parasites can live in the body for as long as 20 years. It's estimated that 20 million people suffer worldwide from paragonomyosis, a disease caused by exposure to lung fluke parasites. The infection can lead to seizures and even death. We used a drug known as Proziquantel. We gave it to him by mouth three times a day for two consecutive days. Mercifully, the treatment rids Wade of the fluke infection, but the impact on his lungs remains life-threatening. Wade developed a secondary infection in the fluid surrounding his left lung, and it can become impossible to take a deep breath, which potentially could be a fatal situation. And consequently, surgery was required to remove it. I was freaked out. To save his life, doctors rush Wade into lung surgery. For three hours, surgeons remove 30% of his left lung. We were very concerned for Wade. It seemed like eternity we were sitting in the waiting room having a major surgery, especially on a vital organ like that lung. Doctors manage to save his life, and he recovers in the ICU. He was sedated, but he was happy. It was good to see him awake and talking. With the most damaged section of his lungs removed, Dr. Folk treats the lingering infection. And after eight more days, he finally goes home, parasite-free. It was probably about six weeks before I started feeling back to normal again. I think he handled his recovery very well. I mean, he was on IV antibiotics at home. I was relieved that you know, maybe we really were at the end of this horrible nightmare. Today, Wade is mostly back to his old self. But extreme physical work is not in the cards. I had to give that up. But I drive a truck now hauling grain. I get to drive around and look pretty. I feel like I'm pretty lucky. It could have been a lot worse. I still like going out on the river, but I ain't never going to eat another crawfish. To avoid becoming infected with Paragonimus calicati and similar fluke parasites, the CDC recommends thoroughly cooking all freshwater crustaceans to at least 63 degrees Celsius or 145 degrees Fahrenheit until the flesh is pearly white. For more blood-curdling monsters and their hideous habits, visit our website, animalplanet.com slash monstersinsideme. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.